This is Kevin Campbell and you're listening to Chewing the Cud with the Irish Toffees. Come on, you blues. Welcome along, folks, to the next episode of Chewing the Cud. And today, again, I'm joined by Richie and Collie. Afternoon, gents. Afternoon, Joe. How are you? Afternoon, Joe. How good. And Chris Mackey is back with us after his uh, appearance last week, previewing the derby, to look back on everything that we got wrong, Chris. <laughs> How are you, hey, doing, Joe. How are you doing, guys? Hey, Chris. How's things? Good to be back. Yeah. What? Uh, actually, an old-style derby. Lord Guts Thunder. I think Rich, the only difference in this derby to, to recent ones is we got goals. Um, well, I suppose, yeah, we got goals. For me, it was an absolute roller coaster. I tell you, I, I was absolutely shattered after it. Mentally, physically. <laughs> I, 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 had to, I, had to, I had to take a break. Like, I, I just, I was, I was wrecked. Um, to be honest, I thought we were poor. Started very slow, you know, whether it was due to tired legs after the international break or whatever. Um, and bar. 15, 20 minute spell at the start of the second half, you know, where we, I suppose we showed, I suppose we, we, we started to get on top then, uh, but we did show great character, great, great resilience bro, and, and grew into the game. So I suppose that's a, a really big positive that we were able to come back from, from, from being behind twice as well. So there is some positives in it, but for me, I didn't think that we were, that we were great on the day. Yeah, I, I agree, Collie. I think that was one of our poorest performances this season. It, even though we'd have taken a point beforehand, but I thought like, there were so many players. We'll get into individual players in a minute. There's so many players just didn't turn up. Oh, Joe, without a shadow of a doubt, that's the worst uh, game we've had this season. Um, with the players on the pitch, um, I agree with Richie. Though at least we know the mentality to come back twice against them. But um, the, the match that you want them to be up and running for, they just unfortunately weren't. And I do believe a lot of the players coming back late from internationals had a huge bearing on the game for us and not really for them. But um, I'm sure we'll go into that later on in the podcast. But no, uh, definitely our worst performance of the season for me. Uh, I know we said last week, Chris, we just wanted us to turn up and, and get them. A, I know we get them a game. I was looking back and I'd expected more. Like, the, like I said again, there's three or four players just, just poor on today. We discussed, Joe, on the previous part, what kind of bearing the international break was. You know, we had all the momentum and we were we were fairly bigged up, you know. This would be the time we beat them. Mm. Is it a good time to play them after getting, you know, the, the hiding by Villa, you know, they're, they're looking to bounce back and with a break our momentum and, you know, the players, as Cody touched on, going away, um, taking the incidents out of the game first for a second. I, I was disappointed. I, we look, we started very slow. Liverpool, they did, they came out, did a point to prove Getting the early goal, I think knocked us a bit. But um, I was I, I was hoping we'd throw a bit more on the ball, Joe. Um, mm. you know, it was a lot of backs to the wall. Look, take nothing away from them. They were, you know, they were excellent. They they pressed high, they they switched play very quick. We weren't able to live with them for the first half anyway. But um, you know, after the previous games, albeit against le- lesser opposition. You know, we, we were cap- we were a lot more capable of being in a bit more control on the ball and technically than I think we showed. I think Collie is right in regards to um, you know the players. It probably affected us more having 
having uh, Richarlison, James and Mina away, you know, getting back Thursday afternoon and rocking up for training Friday morning for an early kickoff. Whereas Liverpool had, you know, Salah wasn't away, Egypt had no games, Mane, Thiago were isolating. So they, you could see they came fresh out of blocks. Having Henderson back for them as well, he just, you know, he's not a bit massive name, but. He just makes them tick. He adds a bit of composure to their midfield. And um, I think it benefited them a lot more. The, the break, you know, um, second half. Yeah, look, we, we were a bit more in the game second half. We showed a bit more on the ball, created a few chances. Richarlis went off the post. Obviously, that would have been a different game if we had a, we had a got ourselves ahead. But the way, you know, the way we game ended, look, you have to be happy. Myself and Collie actually called the two all, didn't we, Collie? <laughs> I think we did, Chris. Yeah. But, uh, look, you ha- you have to be pleased considering we were behind twice, and you know, in in other seasons we could have been be three or four job as we have been, you know. So yeah. they should carry that bit that bit of momentum with them, you know. They are look. We don't like them, but I mean, Liverpool have lost what five league games in two years. They won the league. They've only won the Champions League the season before. You know, that's they're five years under Klopp there. So, although, you know, it's, it comes natural to them. Their style of play, their pressing game, their, you know, their little triangles, their, you know, all these little patches of play it comes natural to them. Whereas us, it's still only a new team, mm. more or less new manager. So we were at a disadvantage in terms of preparing there compared to them. So look, you have to be content, Joe. Yeah, I'm happy enough for the point, but I just think it's just 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 that nagging thing that we didn't really play to our best. Rich, that's that's the killer point for me that we didn't we didn't play as good as we have been. Uh, I know. Listen, getting into the game itself, Chris said like they came out of the blocks. There was a couple of actually we're going to get into the major point later on, but there was a couple of actually hard tackles by Van Dijk early on. One. Especially on James, which subsequently has put him out of the match against Southampton, but we just didn't get going early. And then the goals kind of set us back as well as waking us up. Yeah, um, they, uh, and it, I suppose it just showed that they were right from the off that they were up and they were ready for us. Whether it's um, well, you can put it down to whatever, that's just the way it, the, the way it panned out. Um, I suppose you could see. Even in one of the first balls just before their goal, Richardson wasn't pressing and we weren't putting pressure on him and just giving him the space where they were mm. able to take their passes through the lines and, and, and you know, they switched to play too easy. You know, we were very narrow then in the middle as well and, and the whole thing opened up for him. And it, I suppose we needed, I wouldn't say we needed, but the, the goal did kind of snap us around a small bit and then the incidents afterwards. And it wasn't until then that we kind of realised that, that we were in a game and we could have been out of it, you know, only for, only for a bit it looked like, but... Yeah, they're a very slow start and I felt kind of the whole midfield where we're we're outplayed throughout the whole lot. We we really yeah. got done there. We, they just didn't give us time to settle on it, you know. Um Alan grew into it as the game went on, but I thought the core and Gomez weren't weren't at their best on the day. Um but look, I mean, it's what you're gonna have days like that. You just hope that we can kind of pick ourselves up and that we will gain some bit of momentum from it, seeing as we got a result kind of from the from the jaws of defeat that we managed to kind of get a draw out of it. So uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think Collie as well. That's a great point by Richie. That our, our midfield this season has been just out of this world. But on Saturday, they just weren't. They just didn't. The four of them have to say right across the midfield. The four of them are very poor. Yeah, Joe. Just before I answer that, I want to highlight that Klopp's uh, eleven that he sent out was probably the strongest eleven he's ever sent out against us. Um, compared because I looked over the last couple of seasons and the team that he's put out. So yeah, that that was Liverpool's strongest team as such, and the only player that didn't perform for them in my mind was Firmino. And uh, like air players are away, he only came back towards the morning as well. So I think uh, air, air international players that got back late, that had a huge bearing on the team. But just going in relation to uh, air midfield, <clears throat> I thought Gomez was very, very poor, Joe, uh, all game. I thought he was... Uh, has has me good <clears throat> this season, to be honest? No, I, I definitely don't think so. And uh, I, I put up on, on the WhatsApp group, but I don't think Gomez starts this Sunday. Um, he seems to be... Obviously, he's had a horrific injury job, but I don't think he's ever got back to pre-injury Gomez. He, mm. I, I thought on Sunday he was a couple of paces off. Decorey uh, didn't play well either. Now, I thought, as Richie rightly said, Alain grew into the game. Um, and and second half, I thought Alain done really, really well for us. But uh, I think we lost the battle, uh, certainly in the first half in the midfield. Um, but again... <clears throat> um, I I uh, I think Gomez may may be benched on Sunday. Just looking ahead. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Hamers, you now we, we only came out today that we, I know we got a crunch and tackle, Chris. Like it's probably a minute if it was even a minute in, but uh, maybe that affected his game. I know it, like he still spread a couple of great passes around, but he wasn't as influential as he has been. No, maybe not, Joe, but we, we did spend an awful lot of that game without the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose if you go back to the Brighton game, he, you know, it took him a good 25, 30 minutes to get into it. He took a few hits early on uh, against Brighton as well, and you've seen how he came out the second half. But, but you need players like that, you know, in your side. There's enough players around him to do the running and the tactical covering and coming across. Like, he's, he's our... You know, Calvert Lewin's banging in the goals for Charles and Trep, but he's he makes things tick. He's our match winner. He's our he's a world class player, and sometimes you might have a quiet game, but he comes out with a, an assist and a pre-assist in a game. He just has that quality to change a game in that split second. Look, he, no, he did all right, but I think we have just such high expectations of him now because of how he started yeah. the season. But um now look he's 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 a he's a tough lad. He's, he's taken a lot of kicks, you know. He's up there and he's up in the top ten failed players in the league. I think Richarlison yeah. is the second highest failed player this season. So you know he's he's well able to take the hits but um no, look, I think we're we've we've all watched the highlight reels from Real Madrid and we're expecting them to lash in 30 yard blamos every game, you know. But <laughs> everyone's a great to, player on YouTube. <laughs> his his in-game intelligence, you know, as you touched on um, in the last podcast, he just pops up on the left wing, the center, you just don't see him. He just he creates space, he drags players out. He's such his in-game intelligence is incredible. Even if it looks like he's not doing anything, he's making a running field. He's opening up space. Mm. He's uh, 
it's going to be a massive, massive loss for us against Southampton. I feel, yeah. Joe. I think, I think actually in the game, he spent most of his time, Richie, tracking back to try and stop Robertson. Um, I suppose early doors he did um, because they were they seemed to be kind of berating down. They were getting a lot of room down down the wings, so he was kind of forced into that. But in the second half, he tended, tended to, to take a bit more control and popped up in a lot more places and got on it. Um, I suppose that's going to be other teams. Is is how are they going to keep him out of the game because they know that that's our main our main creator. So other teams are going to kind of plan around that and making sure that he's not going to be influential. So it's something that we're just going to have to kind of double up on, you know, whether it's tactical or however it is so that we can get him into the game. And I think it's just allowing him the freedom to say, right, you go wherever you need to go and, and get and get on the ball because, you know, you need him involved when he's that, when he's that good on it. He needs to be able to, to, to just, just pick it up. Hmm. All right, we're going into the, possibly, well, as far as the media concerned, the main point of the whole game, uh, the tackle on, on Dyke Colley. Uh, um, when I seen it initially, it didn't look, it didn't look that vicious. Um, I think Jordan was just. I'm not, I'm not defending him to be honest. I just think he's, he's clumsy. That that's the way he is, and like he just caught him right under it. When you see the replay, it like he wins looking at the ball. I don't think there was any malice to be honest. Yo, you know this week on Twitter land has just been an eye opener to be honest with you. I can imagine. Yeah. Look, it's been a reckless challenge and. There's, there's absolutely no excuse for it whatsoever, but to hear some top-level journalists come out and say he intentionally went out to do that to Van Dijk, it's absolutely disgusting, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, don't get me wrong, injuries happen. We had Coleman a couple of years ago, Gomez last year, but just the reaction to, to some... Like, okay, Liverpool supporters are upset. I appreciate that. Their, their talisman is gone for a season, if not longer. And I get that. But the fact that you have... Klopp coming out before the, the AX game, reigniting the whole argument yet again. Like, <clears throat> I told Carlo uh, Angeloli's interview today, I don't know whether you've seen it or not, Joe, uh, on the Everton uh, fan suite, was excellent. I thought Carlo was absolutely class in what he came out. There was no intent. It was a clumsy, reckless challenge. If Pickford had gotten a red card, look, I'm a true blue Everton supporter, but there's no way he could have defended it. But the referee on the day and VAR both had a look at it and they said, no, it wasn't. So there could be no retrospective uh, penalty. Uh, sorry, no retrospective uh, red card. But just the way they're going on, you know, at this stage, Elton John is going to come out with a, a, a re-release of tw- a Candle in the Wind for Van Dyke. You know, it's getting beyond yeah. the joke. And for Pickford and his family to receive death threats, Joe, like it's, it is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And, and then even just uh, uh, one more point, Joe. Fabinho uh, injured an AX player last night. Uh, his ACL is gone. So going on what they've been saying all week on Twitter, surely Fabinho now should be out for the duration of the time it takes for that chap to get back as well. Yeah, Absolutely shocking, yeah, you know. Yeah, I know, I know, Joe, but to, to see some of the comments, and like your man James Pierce from the Liverpool Echo has come out and said that he want to open up a book of condolences. Like... Have a day off, like you know, the kind of it's the sense of entitlement is, is unreal, Joe, and that's what got to me. I have to say, it's not to be honest to me, it's not a surprise for them, Chris. They're, they're just an absolute law unto themselves, but, and then Twitter's just a different kettle of fish altogether. I'm not even going there, but like the tackle itself, like looking back, it was it was like it was a horrific tackle, 
but mistimed, as Carlo said, mistimed. Someone put up a clip actually uh, the other day of Jordan Pickford made an exact same type challenge for England. And the conference says, oh, Jordan Pickford, a brick wall, you won't get past him. It was the same, the exact same tackle. But because it's Liverpool, it's a different stratosphere altogether. That's his, uh, that's his style of goalkeeping, Joey. He tends to come out and make himself big, open up his mm. body. There was, there was three incidents in that moment, Joe, that the officials were looking out at. Obviously, A, was it offside? B, if it wasn't offside, was it a penalty? I think the red card was probably third on their agenda. So, yeah, it was offside, so that cancels out a penalty. Could it have been a red card? It should have been a red card. Yeah, it was yeah, a I bad think, I think that's the main point. That, that, as, as Everton fans, a lot of us have... To, it, I think it should have been a red card, to be honest. But it wasn't, so just... It wasn't. As Collie said, if you watch it back, it's always... It's, it's a, right, it didn't turn out a 50-50. Both players are going for the ball. Pickford's always mm. around the ball. He made himself big assuming that uh, Van Dijk was going to get a leg on it to block the shot. Van Dijk's leg was stuck in the ground, straight leg, and Pickford clattered him. Yes, it should have been a penalty, but look, VAR looked at it, and the problem we all know with VAR is every, every official has their own interpretation of every incident, so that leads to inconsistencies. You know, another, another fourth official on another day or, you know, referee would have given a red card and a penalty. But as you said, there was no malice in it. That's his style. You know, he went for the ball and Collie summed it up fantastically there with people like Graham Souness and Mark Bosnich, ex-players coming out just saying, comparing to Roy Keane's tackle on Haaland years ago when he intentionally <laughs> went out to, to end his him, career. Yeah. Like, it's just, especially in a, in a day, Joe, where, you know, football and the Premier League and the FA, they're all about mental health and equality, you know, everybody matters and, you know, respect campaigns and that. Mm. And to be, you know, Pigford is getting, his wife is getting terrible abuse on, you know, his social media platforms and, you know, it, it's inciting, it's inciting trouble between the sets of supporters and the clubs. It's just inciting hostility, which, it is unnecessary, you know. As Collie said, you understand he's one of their major players. You know, Rodriguez is missing Southampton, and I don't think he'll sleep tonight because, you know, it's that bad. But you can understand <laughs> him. He's, he's one of their most important players. But look, I mean, it has to be said, they've had relatively good luck with injuries the past season or two with their main players. Mm. You know, Van Dijk, Salah, Mane, Henderson, they all touched 45 appearances in all competitions for Liverpool last year, which is the core of their side. You know, it happens to every other. We've had a Coleman broke his leg, Gomez broke his ankle. You can go back as long as you want. Before the 2009 Cup final, we lost Arteta, Jagielka, Yakubu before the FA Cup final. It's just, it's listen, hard to I, I, Listen, I go all the way back to Celtal breaking his ankle in Lansdowne Road. Closest, closest to league in the cup that year, but anyway, only Liverpool are allowed to talk about history, not anyone else. But uh, just on VAR, Richie, I have to say, and uh, Chris said there, VAR is supposed to rule out all these inconsistencies. But like Chris said, VAR now is just becoming 
another referee's opinion. So it's kind of getting muddled a bit. Yeah, on on incidents like that, it's just another it's just another set of eyes. And suppose yeah. well, why why he wasn't sent over to to look at the monitor is is the is the is the really strange one. But I I don't know whether it was just the case that like you said that there was three incidents that he was looking for the offside. Then they were looking to see if it was a penalty, and then they were looking looking at the tackle. And was there just too much going on that it got kind of? But hardly. I mean, look at the level that we're at. You know, he's not one yeah. guy in a box that there's a there's a team there, there's there's a, a support VAR official or whatever they're called there as well. There's a, there a thing I actually yesterday, some, yeah, I don't know how true it is that he didn't think he was allowed to look at the pendants and after the offside or someone else said he forgot to look at Like, I mean, you, you don't. I mean, there's so uh, much. Incidentally, that, that, that VAR referee, that official has been dropped from the refereeing panel and everything this weekend. So, Obviously slapping him on the wrist and he's getting the fallout for it. But we just don't want like we all said as well when Michael Oliver wanted he's one of the better referees out there at the moment. So I don't see how someone miles away can can have a better view than him. And like you said, Rich, just just go off to the monitor, have a look. Yeah, I mean with the likes of the offside and the same with the offside later on, for me they're they're cut and dry. It, it's black and white. You're either on or you're off. When it's done by a computer program, there's no opinion in it as such. It's not a yeah, case. Similar, of, to, similar to Hawkeye. Yeah, it is. Tennyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's no bending of the lines or there's no kind of different views on it. It is what it is. Whether we agree with the rule or not, it's that's what they've decided and that's how it is. So I don't argue those points, even though, yes, they were really close and they're really kind of, because we're used to seeing rules kind of on a bit more lenient, but mm. they are what they are and they're going to affect everybody throughout the course of the same. It's not as if it's a different rule. So those ones aside, but for the, for the incidents like your, I suppose we alluded to with the handballs only a week or two ago and it's a similar incident now with, with a tackle because it's just, it's just an opinion. And as Chris said, if there was someone else in the box, there's a fair chance that it's another, it, it's another decision. But I don't know, from, from the fallout of it, there's so much talk that you don't even know what's been true because you, you kind of want the refs to come out and say, this is what we did, this is why we did it, and just kind of put incidents like this to bed so that it rules out this trial by media that's been going on for the last week because it's, it's given Sky, it's given all these platforms just clickbait because... They are a popular club, so they have numbers that will click in, that will kind of jump on it, and that's what pays them. That every time that there's an article there and there's something on it and that they can fire all this stuff at it, it's easy to make somebody else the villain. And that, that's all it is. It's, it's trial by media, and it's, it's sick, to be, to be honest, when you look at it, when there's, you know, as I said, Pickford's family is involved. He's been getting death threats. Richardson is getting racially abused. Um, mm. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's sick to me, to be honest. It's not sad though like, that we're, we're, we're just talking about VAR all the time, not just with everything, but through the whole Premiership programme. VAR seems to be the repeating team amongst Match of the Day or Sky, whatever you're, you're, you're watching the games on, and the commentators are all the time speaking about VAR. <clears throat> I understand that, obviously, as you said yourself, Joe, they brought it into Troy and, and helped the referees, but it clearly isn't working, you know, the kind of way. Now, look, we, yeah. we gained advantage to it at the weekend, but. Something is nice. Far, 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 far owes us absolutely nothing. So, 
But it's controversial sellers. Yeah. I think VAR, actually VAR was brought in to, to like stamp out these contentious decisions, but it's actually it's actually become more contentious than, than any decisions at all. But yeah, so we get into the, the offside actually. Um, the rules are if if any part of your body is offside, you're offside. It's simple, Chris. It's not it's it's just a line that if you're even if you're Toe over that. I think there was one, there was one earlier in the season. Olivier Rio was given offside. His ear, or the side of his head, was ahead of someone else's head, and it was ruled out. So, listen, like Rich said, the rule is there. If you're offside, you're offside. And Mr. Manny's elbow was ahead of Mina's arse. So, <laughs> offside is offside. But oh, I don't know what your thoughts on VAR are, Chris, but. It's just controversy after controversy. Yeah, it's still, it is a case of all the officials are going to interpret every incident differently, you know? Mm -hmm. But with the, in terms of the offsides, it's got so technical that if you're 5% offsides, you're offsides. There's no, um, you know, the rules have been changed that many times, Joe, whereas before it used to be your hand could be offside because you can't score with your hand. So it doesn't, you know, you're only, only if it's a part of your body, which you can score with yeah, is yeah. offside. But now I think like Harry Kane's toes rule offside. wasn't it last season and an elbow, a shoulder. It is, it's the rules that need to change and the handball rule as well. I know we got lucky at Palace there with a handball and Palace got one at United or United got one against Brighton in the last minute. Mm. Um, you know, VAR, VAR is good if it's applied properly, but half the time, the referees seem like they don't know the actual rules that have been changed that much. So I don't know how we're supposed to understand it. And it just gives, it gives it the media platform to just create non, to create hysteria just to get, get clicks as, as a, Richie alluded to there, you know. Mm. But you see it in other countries, Joe. It's, you know, you see the referees going over to the monitors and it is applied correctly. I do believe that the officials in England are worse anywhere else I've seen. I think they're absolutely appalling in general. Some of the things, like, even Robertson's tackle there on Alan. How the hell is that not even deemed the yellow car at least? Yeah. And, you know? and just before that, just before that, the, the uh, no, I think it was Arthur's. It was a uh, man I tripped Yari Mina lying on the ground, similar to Beckham's like trip when, when he got sent off in the World Cup years ago, lying on the ground and he puts the foot up to, to, to trip him. Nothing, nothing. Oh, and he's on a yellow at the time. Oh. Yeah, it's it just like they're all talking about these tackles, and obviously everyone's talking about Pickford's tackle, but I mean, Robson should have got sent off, he kicked out. All right, there was a slight push by Yari Mina, but after that, he kicked out and he took Alan out. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Like I said, Chris, I, I don't think they're the worst referees. I think they panic. They're under pressure, Rich. So much pressure from, like, eyes on them. It's just, but they and they're getting all these decisions wrong. It's just, I, I don't know. They're, but they have a second set of eyes and they have linesmen there as well that are there to support 
there's no way all those decisions should have been missed. You know, mm. it's all the talk is on about say, Pickford, but yeah, you said that you had the two tackles by Van Dyke in the first minute that went unpunished. You had the kick out or the, the kick out from Robertson on Allen. You had the trip from Mane on on Mina. Um, Adrian on Calvert Loon when he was in and he caught him on the ankle. You had Richardson was pulled back as he went through. There's an awful lot of decisions that we could be kind of throwing, throwing the ties out of the pram about, but it's hard to, to understand how they're all missed when you said that you've two, you've three officials on the field, you have a team in a in a box watching the game. So I don't know how you improve it. What what else can can you possibly do if they can't see a lot of this? Yeah, yeah, it's a strange. Actually, we get back into the game itself. Um, I thought we were a bit sloppy for the first goal, Colly. Uh, Seamus could have went in a little bit harder on on Rob Hudson. Uh, and then when the ball comes in, like it was a great finish by Manny, but I just thought we we're sloppy down that side. I wonder though, Joe was um, Shane was injured from from kickoff that he didn't commit himself into that tackle. Which helped them then get the ball into Mane. <clears throat> it's just something I was thinking about earlier on, uh, when I was looking back over the highlights of the game. I wonder, did he feel that the 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 injury, uh, so he didn't want to commit um, too much into the tackle? I could be wrong, of course. Um, just going quick one, Joe, for you. How how much did your heart sink when that tour goal did go in into injury time? Oh, I, you know what? I I'm at this stage now. I think we all are. Like when we're at. Derby and it gets to like 85 86 minutes. I said, Oh no, please, just just please don't. Not, not again. I went with Dean. I was, I actually, I was well enough. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was about to cry. I couldn't, and then when I seen uh, possible offside, I, I think I broke the, I, I was gonna ring Guinness Book of Records for the amount of prayers said in one minute, <laughs> and then. I, I swear it was just a relief and uh, actually felt for the first probably half hour after match it felt like a win <laughs> yeah yeah 100% yeah. 100% yeah. but uh, oh, like listen like I said far rose is absolutely nothing so yeah. Yeah. Oh, just getting back yeah. to Mane's first goal Joe he, he took it well but you know I'm not that I'm criticising Seamus by any stretch of imagination but I just felt uh, he could have done a bit better when the when the ball was out there uh, he seemed mm. to be pulled inside into the centre half, um, but look again. I, I reiterate, we came back from it and, and we managed to equalise uh, uh, not long afterwards. You know, but maybe Seamus just wasn't one hundred percent fit to start the game. Yeah, it could have been uh, uh, for our equaliser actually, Chris uh, Michael Kane again. I, I think this chap is getting better, but by the match, he's just he's just getting. He's like as Colly says, he's like an eight out ten. Every single week, but what a leap! Yeah, Joe, look, I'll hold my hands up and say I did falling for his head. You know, over the past couple of seasons, mm. I don't know how many times he nearly hit me in my seat in the Gladys Street with a pass. <laughs> just didn't think he was up to it at all. But look, it just shows you the difference a world class manager makes. He was managed, you know, Maldini and the likes, some of the best defenders in the game. He's really come on leaps and bounds. He's only 27. He's, you know, he's probably not even, he's only coming into his peak years for a centre-back. Mm. Um, now, look, confidence is a massive thing. He had issues with mental health and, you know, the likes of that. And um, Now, uh, look, 
you have to hand it to him. You have to hand it to him. Yeah, he's adding goals. That's something we've lacked. We've relied solely on um, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin, especially last season to chip in with goals. So Brighton popping up with a few goals. He's on three goals this season. I think our Bernard on three goals was our third highest scorer last year all season, which was terrible. But even his distribution, he he's a uh, he's come on leaps and bounds with his distribution. You know, some of the passes for Calvert-Lewin's goal against West Ham, he doing a little pirouette and ping the ball That's over right, the top. Yeah. Jesus Christ! And he had that in his locker at all. <laughs> so obviously, Cancelotti's instilling confidence in him. It also helps having the likes of Alan in front of him to give him that bit more protection, so he doesn't have to worry about you know being caught in behind pace wise. Yeah, he's. He's getting better by the game. Uh, on the other side, Collie, I thought uh, Yerry Mina was very, very sloppy for their second goal. He just kind of threw a leg at the ball rather than like attempting to clear it. Yeah, he, he definitely was at fault for the second goal, but I actually didn't think he'd done too bad over the, the 90 minutes, Joe. And, uh, to be honest with you, given the fact that he's only come back on the Thursday from the Colombian uh, game, uh, I thought he'd done all right. He wasn't as good as as Keane, and but you know, in fairness to Yerry Mina, uh, there was question marks about him at the start of the season. I actually think he's done quite well beside Keane uh, since the start. Now, obviously, Mason is out injured, and um, Godfrey is there now. Obviously, Godfrey came out for Seamus, but I, I th- think Yerry's been okay, um, and he certainly he he, he pipped Michael Keane last. Uh, game f- for for me of the better of the two centre halves. So, um, look, you can't take away the quality of the finish either from uh, Salah. Oh, no. yeah, yeah. You know, it was, you know, but he, he was just lucky. Don't, yeah, don't give him that exactly, Joe. Don't give him yeah. the chance to, to to do that. But no, look, hold hold he hold his hand up. It, it was his fault for the second, but overall, I thought he was okay. Hmm. Actually, just fortunately, I thought Godfrey was. Very, very solid when he came in, Rich. Yeah, excellent. For his first day out, coming into a game a half an hour into it, like under the, the, the pressure of the day as well. Yeah, he was brilliant. Took to, took to it like a duck to water and, you know, really strong going forward and have to take into, into account that he's playing out of position as well in right mm. back. But that's not his position. He's a centre half or even a centre midfielder. So, yeah, really good. It'd be interesting to see if he holds his place this week with James out and seemingly John Joe Kenny back. But it's another good option to have. Personally, I'd, I'd be inclined to, to go with him this weekend, that you can kind of drop into a tree at the back and when, and let Dina push on a small bit more and that you have that and you, and you have kind of three centre halves when in possession of the ball. But yeah, really impressed for his first day out and um, yeah, hopefully a lot more to come from him. Yeah, 100%. I think as well, uh, or Chris, excuse me, uh, Dina, he's just, he's just on fire this season for me, but like... Him and James, I know it sounds silly, you know James is kind of on the right. Every time he comes inside, he looks over to see where Dean is and, and more often than not, we'll find him. But like he's he's putting balls on the play for them, especially for like the leap, the leap for that equaliser was just unbelievable. But the ball in was just spot on. Probably playing his best football now, Joe, since, since he joined. He was impressive in his fourth season. Last season, Probably didn't. No one really hit any level last year that, that we'd expect. But as you said, this year I think he's been fantastic. There, there used to be question marks on him, maybe 
defensively, but I think probably getting a, getting a few extra caps for France has helped them, you know, playing at that level defensively and playing with, you know, in the national team. But uh, his technical ability is, is, is reading it a game and his understanding, as you said, with James, he just knows where to be. His intelligence is as cross and uh, I, you know, he's just so consistent that he's hit, hit a standard which we expect from him now. That's he's at yeah. least a seven out of ten every week. And you know, we've actually been playing so well that other players you have grabbed the, grabbed the you know the man of the match accolades. And but I think he's been excellent. Please God, now we can you know we can be consistent at that level and get get a bit of luck with with his fitness injury free because. He's a massive important. He's a massively important, um, you know, piece to the puzzle to how we play and how we set up. But as you as you as you mentioned there, that the ball in for Calvert Leon was just considering the ball. It was rolling. It wasn't a dead ball. Rolling, and he just wrapped his foot around the pinpoint. Ah, fantastic! And it went, you know, it went fairly uh, under the radar. With as you said, everything that went on in the game. Yeah, everything gets talked about uh, more than like the, the goals itself. Like for instance, Cali, match a day. I watched, um, I watched it actually on Sunday morning, and the analysis they only showed one of the goals, which for me I thought was <laughs> just ridiculous. I mean, but that's listen, that's Mister Shearer and Co. Uh, but Dom again, this chap, I don't know what's what's happened to him, but his confidence is just. On another planet. Yeah, he's uh, he's special, Joe, and um, I think he's proven an awful lot of people wrong, and that's oh, a lot of people yeah. in their own fan base. Just in relation to Dina, I don't know whether you caught uh, there was an article or an interview by Clippity, and he said that uh, on the touchline, I think Ferguson said it to Carlo or someone shouted at Carlo as soon as Dina put the, the ball in. Uh, here's our second goal and bang Dominic but the height the height he gets up and people have spoken about Dominic and, and, and the leap that he has and how he can hang in the air and a lot of uh, journalists and, and sports writers that I would I would you know follow and admire for their honest opinion and not just Everton journalists they've all remarked about the leap that's all they keep saying and, and they, 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 they obviously uh, mentioned Tim Cahill when, when he mentioned Don, because Tim had a similar style, you know. But if you see, I don't know whether he caught the angle from behind the goal of the leap and the goal, Joe, itself. To see the height he got up off the ground, regardless whether Van Dyke was on the pitch or not. He actually, he, yeah. he, he, Van Dyke wouldn't have gotten near him. For, of, like, at the top. Yeah. It was similar, you know, similar to one against Spurs, the leap against Spurs. First match of the season. It was just... I and then, know, Joe... Like, see, we spoke about this before. He seems to get up and stay there, Cully. Just seems to yeah. get up and hang there for well, it seems like forever, but <laughs> we, we we now Joe have a, a number of uh, potential world class superstars in our team. And Dominic is one of them. Like you're gonna get these reports and you know, you know, I, I love a, a good uh, transfer story and Word came out this week that Real Madrid are interested in a 40 million. I thought to myself, is that for the right leg or the, the left leg? That, but you're gonna have these stories, Joe, going forward, you know. But uh, he seems really happy at the club as well. But that's not just Dominic. You look at 
you look at the whole squad, Joe, I think the whole squad are really happy. Um, I, I read reports about Pickford and how the first team squad are, are basically surrounding them and, and protecting them and stuff like that. And you watch the training videos and they're all laughing and joking. It's great to see it, Joe. It's great to see that team spirit there, yeah. you know, because with that, we could go on and, and do do some special things this season. Uh, I've no doubt about it, you know. And we also have a strong yeah. bench as well, Joe. That that we have we had a strong bench against Liverpool, um, which is a big uh, big thing for me. And I have to say, I always find the stronger our bench is, the better. So, um, look, look, we can go on from there and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the main differences this season, Rich, is that the strength of the bench. Where before we'd look at the bench and say, who's, who's going to who's going to change a the game there? Who's going to make a difference? But the bench this season has been like so good. The bench has been good, and it's really going to be tested this weekend without Seamus, without Richardson, mm-hmm. without Rodriguez. So this is kind of to see who steps up, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, when momentum is good around the camp, it's a lot easier to come in. And like Colly said, you know, winning winning feeling is 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 always good. But um, yeah, I mean, people are going to want to be involved with, you know, with success. So people don't want to sit on the bench and hide. Now they want to get on the field. So they have to try to take their opportunity. So look, it's a long season and there, and there is going to be opportunities for, for people through suspension, through, through, through injury. And I'd say this, this weekend is obviously going to be the first time that, we, that we're really kind of tested without kind of three of our main guys on, on the pitch. You know, we've survived kind of last or sorry two weeks ago without some but I think losing the three that, that were without this weekend will be a big big test for whoever comes in yeah yeah I think so we'll actually go into that now uh, well forward I think we're all happy enough for the point from the derby to be honest we'd have taken a point beforehand Chris but again there's that little nagging that we didn't really play to our potential yeah yeah of course but <laughs> We were, we were behind twice against them yeah. as well, which, yeah. you know, it, it's it's great. We, we spoke a lot about mentality, you know, pre-game. Have we got the mentality, you know, be the psychological block, inferiority complex. When they scored after two minutes, I thought, ah, oh, game done, we're finished. Mm. And again, when Salah scores, oh, that's it, be three or four now. I'm st- still in that negative mentality, but it's good to see the players, and of course it goes down to the manager, the man management and the team spirit to instill this belief and confidence in them. And it comes with winning games, but we would have been beat by, we have been beat by five against them last year. So it's, it's a massive, massive positive that we didn't play. We didn't show our, I think what we're capable of on the ball. And that's down to, you know, the quality opposition. We're not going to come up against a team as good as them. You know, them, Man City, maybe. You're not going to be playing players of that calibre every week. Mm. So, um, now look, content with a point, but look, we have to, I'll be hoping now after, you know, of eight days preparation that we'd be able to show a bit more against Southampton of what we're capable of, you know, on the ball, technically, and a bit, a bit more fluent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, just before we finish the derby, when we got that free kick in the 97th minute, I said, is this the moment? Is this going to be like 
a Liverpool-esque moment scoring at the death. There would have been absolutely murder. It would have been World War Three if we'd won that game after everything that went down. But sure. Anyway, we're rolling. Okay, Southampton, Collie, this is this is actually going to be a tricky one because uh, they've a lot of players playing well, uh, no more so than the man who always scores against us, Mr. Ings. But uh, like they're unbeaten in three, two wins and a draw. Uh, Show great spirit against Chelsea last week, I must say, uh, to come back and get three up. So, uh, playing very well. Yeah, Joe, I, look, I, I've, in preparation for this part, I was kind of going over and looking back on some of the Southampton games and stuff. And this game for me was always going to be a tough game. And then obviously the news broke this morning that we'd be missing Hamez and yeah. obviously Coleman is out and stuff. Um, I know you're, in a little while you'll be asked me for my score predictions and I don't know whether to give you the Everton, Everton Hearts or the, the sensible head one, but... Um, Southampton are a good side, Joe. Uh, Mr. Ring scores against us every, every game. Time. Every time. Yeah. Uh, they played well. Uh, he won't be playing, obviously, against us at the weekend, but Tia Walcott done really, really well for them uh, last weekend. I have to mm. say, uh, he played a lot through the middle. Uh, I think they didn't they beat us at Goodison towards the end of last season uh, during the yeah. lockdown. So, <laughs> who didn't? Yeah. Um, he has them playing well. Uh, they're a team of maybe not big names, but as a unit, they, they do quite well. I think it's going to be an extremely tough game. and I, I'm going to go against Richie. I don't think uh, Godfrey starts. I think uh, John Joe Kenny starts. Um, and I also possibly could see Awobi uh, and Gilfi with Dominic up as the front three with Gilfi playing in the Hamez uh, role. Not that he, he'd be Hamez's equal. I just think he gives us a bit more uh, Creativity, maybe in that area, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just, just on Southampton as well, which I, I think one of the main players, and he makes them tick, is uh, Ward Prowse. I think he's just, he has that kind of, he can find a pass similar, not, not on the level of Hamas, but he can find a pass out of nowhere. So I think he's going to be the danger man. Yeah, like most of their creativity goes through him. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's a. It's a game that we need to win the midfield. Again, they press really high, so they'll, they'll, they'll be kind of going, going high and, and, and quick at us. So it's, you know, it's a similar mindset to the, to the game last week. That hopefully that we kind of have learned from it because I felt that when we were put under pressure that we, didn't, we weren't able to play. You know, so we need to kind of get around that and figure out a way to kind of get past it. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got results, you know, but I, I, I do feel that they're there to be picked off, you know, um, we will get opportunities again, and it's just making sure that we take them. I, I wouldn't say I'd be confident, you know, going going into the game, but I do think that we can that we can continue on. I think that getting away with a result last week it'll kind of galvanise, and I think everything that's going on. Uh, as I spoke kind of last week, mentioned that it's just a game, and I think that we've kind of shown, you know, we didn't kind of bite back to the media and start kind of defending ourselves. We quietly went about our business, kind of preparing for a game this weekend. And I was kind of happy to see it not to be getting kind of let 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 them say what they have to say. So I think the focus is it, it seems seems to be good. You know, Carlos comments today, uh, and I think that's a lot of it. It's galvanising the camp, and I, we 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 should be better and on paper. Like we should be better. So it's about kind of I suppose Chris said that mentality thing, and it's about imposing that on the pitch and letting them know that we're a better side and got out and beating them. But 
Yeah, I, I, I think we will. Uh, I think that's spot on, Chris. The, the confidence that's going through this, not just the team, the whole squad, it, it just, we don't feel like we're going to get beaten no matter where we go. Yeah, well, we hope that's the case, Joe. Um, Southampton tends to not be a happy hunting ground for us historically. We've only three wins in our last 18 away at Southampton. We tend to come unstuck fairly regularly down there. At the same time, they seem to be a bit like Palace in a way. They seem to be better suited to playing away from home. Mm. Uh, obviously, Nathan Redmond's very dangerous. He always seems to play well against us when, when he's not running off during the game to have a dump. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you, they've, uh, they won 6 0 19 last year at home. They, you know, they had the second, second uh, worst home record last season. So, you know, they're not very good at home. We beat them there last year. Um, I just, Collie touched on the game at Goodison last year. It was, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm still having nightmares. They battered us, they missed a penalty. You know, we got, we got it was a uh, one all, obviously. Richardson got a nice ball over the top from Luca Dean, and Richardson hit that half volley over the keeper. We got a draw, one all, but they just completely bossed the midfield. I think we had Gomez and Tom Davies in midfield in a 4 4 2 that day. Uh, they set up in a 4 4 2. They'd probably bring Stuart Armstrong in for Walcott if he's fit. I think he might be a doubt. So that would be 10 of the 11 that started against those in July in that Goodison game. I said they completely overran us. So hopefully now as Decore and Alan, we'll have a bit more a bit more control of the midfields. But as the lads touched on, we'll, uh, we'll definitely miss that creativity. You know, Richarlison and James didn't have been involved in 77% of our creative chances all season. So it could be a grinder, Joe. It could be, you know, a la Palace where we need, you know, a, a set piece or, uh, as you yeah. said, Michael Keane header to... It would worry that we're conceding far too many goals. Even our three home games, you've conceded two goals in each game. It's We need to uh, we need to be a bit more solid at the back, for especially yeah. games like this where we might not... We might be able to be as fluent and, you know, have as much of a goal thread as we would have liked. So we're going to need to set up solidly and just be clinical when we get our chances. Yeah, I think it could be similar to the Palace. It's got just a horrible, scruffy game and just grab a 1-0, Collie. Get out of town. I, I think as far as creativity, I think you're right on give you a come in. But I think for me, it'll be at the expense of Gomez. Because I just, I just don't think Gomez is... He's not firing yet for whatever reason. So I think if he will come in there and I wouldn't be surprised to see Anthony Gordon make a comeback of some some way. I don't know what's going on there behind the scenes, to be honest. There's I, I, uh, John, to be honest with you, yeah, um, I, 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 I put up a team on the WhatsApp group earlier and I put Gilfie in for Gomez and I put Bernard out on the one wing and it will be on the other simply for the fact that Gordon hasn't been involved in any um, first-team squad for a number of weeks. Mm. Um, just this game against Southampton as well, Joe, obviously we didn't win the three points against Liverpool at the weekend, so it's reaction as well that I'm interested in seeing. Uh, Carlo's already mentioned in previous press conferences that the day will come where we will be beaten, and it's how we, we, we react to that, and it's how we react to not getting the three points on, on, on Saturday, and that's that's how that's what I, I I'm interested in, but um, you know I, I'd prefer to see Gordon in over at Bernard because I think Gordon gives us that bit of 
let's just say unknown about because not a lot of like Southampton may not know an awful lot about Gordon, but mm-hmm. he has the pace and the skill and, and the goal. But it's it's hard to know which way he's going to set up Joe to be honest. But I definitely think a Wobie starts uh, for us at the weekend. Yeah, I think I think a Wobie will come in to be honest because Carlos being big in him up. Yeah, yeah. He sacrificed and moved to the right hand side. Normally, if Hamez was fifth, it's it's in on the left that Wobie come. But he's probably the one that'll move to the right, or there's a fair chance that he'd move to the right to cover for. Cover for Hammers now if they're if they're going to keep the same as well. So and who would you put out on the left, say, Rich? I I'd be in favour of Gordon as well. Just I suppose Bernard has never been one to play away from home for whatever reason, whether it's mm. or whatever. So I would I just think Gordon would be you get that little bit more and and the the dynamic. I suppose he's a bit more quicker on the break. So I I'd, I'd be in yeah. with him. Just something else that Chris touched on there about you know that it may take something like a set piece is our improvement in set plays of of late has been phenomenal. You know, the, I think yeah. David is the the mastermind behind it. And, you know, when you have, I suppose when you have the likes of Hamas and Luca Dean swinging balls in, that we look a serious threat with every one of them now. And something that we, I suppose we need to start capitalizing on and if it's centre-halves getting goals or whatever, but it's, uh, geez, it's not that long ago where we were gone records without, without threatening from, from a corner, not to mind scoring from a corner. So, yeah, really refreshing to see that every time that we kind of get into those positions, now we look at threat. So, in games like this, it's going to be, going to be vital, you know, to, 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 to try to take advantage of things like that. I think, Chris, it w- I think we could be quite narrow up, to, up front. Sorry, Joe. No, on, I, I think we could be quite narrow up front uh, against Southampton. I think you'll find the Wobie and whoever else is on the other wing will be in closer to the Dominic, which will allow then... Uh, Dania or whoever the right fold is to, to, to make the overlapping runs and to Corey and Alan to cover off same bench the 23s are playing tomorrow night Friday be interesting to see whether he's he's with the 20 squad tomorrow night because obviously with Richardson gone for three games we've no other forward as such um, do you think he'll make the bench? Chris? <sighs> Possibly, Collie, simply just due to the lack of numbers at the minute. We've left ourselves short in the attacking, in the attacking areas. Um, look, he's a natural raw goal scorer. You know, he's a big, strong lad, powerful lad, bit of pace, knows where the net is. Unsworth was saying that they're working on developing the rest of his game in terms of, you know, there's more to being a centre. As you saw with Calvert-Leon, there's more than just, you know, running the channels. You have to be able to hold the ball up bring players into play, nowhere to be tactically getting the right areas. Um, if we were... I don't, I don't think Ancelotti thinks he's ready, possibly. And that's just based on he hasn't really been in any of the squads. I know we've, we've been at fairly full strength up until now, but I think we, we're so eager to see players coming through from the academy that you know we don't see them on the training ground every day. And, you know... Same applies to Gordon. Like just, Gordon hasn't been getting an any match day squads. So I think he's a young nineteen year old lad. He's a bit of pace. He's a scouser. You know he's looked well in the cup games, but Ancelotti sees him week in week out. So maybe you know tactically or defensively he mightn't feel that he's he's at that level just yet. Possibly he might be the you know most like for like player we have for Richarlison on that left side in terms of his directness and his maybe his goal threat. 
But uh, I think as I think it'll be a Wobie, and as you touched on, a Wobie tends to come inside, as does Bernard. So it is going to be quite the narrow game. But uh, no, I don't know. I I don't think so. I think we've an abundance of. We seem to have an overload of midfielders and defenders now as well. Tom, Tom Davis, Tom Davis is guaranteed to be on the bench as is. Um, Elf will be on the bench. I think Godfrey be on the bench. I think he'll go with John Joe Kenny right back. Yeah. Simply because the overall balance of the team, you don't want to be playing players out of position. I think the balance is important. We've seen it the last few seasons playing players out of position and you know it's hard to get the rhythm going in terms of being fluent at your passing game and that Kenny he has been out with Schalke for a full season so he does have the experience although he's in my opinion fairly limited but he's not a bad player to bring in, bring in on the odd game here or there you know I went way off your point there but <laughs> just getting back to Sims I, I don't think I don't think he'll he'll be involved Collie uh, simply because he didn't even feature in any of the cup games, so uh, I think. No, it's just a fact, Joe. Obviously, we've no we've no other striker available to us. Should Tom, yeah, that was I, the only reason yeah. I was going down the Sims route. Yeah, I don't think Tosin is back yet. So no, I think like Chris touched on as well. We're all very eager to see someone else come through from the academy. Um, I just I just don't think he's he's ready to be honest. That's that's just my opinion, but I just I think he's probably a season away from being in around the first team in in the league situation anyway. Yeah, okay. that's just for me. Seems that 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 we're kind of at a stage where you know what, whatever team is put out, that we'll all be fairly happy because we all trust the manager, which is a first. Because normally, you know, you're waiting for for two o'clock for a three o'clock kickoff, the team to go in, and straight away there's moans and groans about this. Whereas now, you know, <laughs> most people are on the same page. So you know what, if Carlo trusts him. So be it. Let it let him in, and you know who are we to, you know. So uh, it's something that I've stopped worrying about as much as who selected him opposition because, you know, I just buying into everything that that that's been done. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Richard. There's usually more talk between two and three than there is between three and five. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just listen. That's the life of an Evertonian. It's just just nuts. But I think we touched on it earlier. I think the strength of the squad now is is a big factor. So um, I think to be honest, going into him, we should, well, we're not going to be afraid of him. But I'd be very, very confident that we can get something down there. So uh, we'll go into predictions, and I'll kick off. I'll go two one Everton with uh, Dom to get the two of them. Keep that run going, Rich. Me, I was actually going to go 2-1 as well. Um, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet and I just think that we that we should have enough to win it. So I, I, I'll stay on the 2-1 um, and I'd go Calvert-Lewin and one of the centre-halves to pop up again. I think that's, that's as well, Carly. And Critch touched on it earlier. We're, we're kind of struggling to keep clean sheets. I know there's been a few mistakes which we alluded to, Pickford or whatever, but clean sheets seems to be our problem. Yeah, but that seems to be the team throughout the league, Joe. There's not many teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Keeping clean sheets. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. So you know, it wouldn't. It's 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 something that doesn't necessarily worry me too much. Um, but it does mean us having to outscore the opposition. But um, you look know, for my my prediction now, Joe. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
All right, put me Everton hat on for this one, Joe. Um, it's never off. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I got to 2-2 last week. Um, this game is going to be a really, really tough game. Uh, but I'm going to go for a 3-2 win by Everton. And I'm going to go for uh, a Wobie to score one of the goals. I'm going to record it. And I think <laughs> we get a very decision, fairness, decision fairness, against fairness, fairness, he, he has been playing. He has been playing well. He's kind of getting better by the, by the month, shall we say. <laughs> by 3-2, Collie. Chris, prediction? You can see another two all, Joe. Um, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. Ings is going to score against us, isn't he? So I can see Decore getting his first goal, and I think we'll get the penalty. Oh, penalty yeah. forever. <laughs> a bad decision for us, Chris. Uh, just a penalty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're confident to have this. Oh, friend, Var. Oh, we got it. We got we got it right last week, Collie. We should just try and jinx it again. <laughs> yeah, three. Well, we're gonna <laughs> hope for the best. All right, lads. All right, lads. Relax down. Stare week. Stare week, Richie. Don't mind them. We'll have to have a look at that prediction table. By the way, I think I'm miles ahead, but we we'll need that for another week. <laughs> uh, Joe, just before we go, uh, I don't know whether you heard about the ladies' uh, team. Uh, they played Brighton at the weekend. Two all. It ended up. Yeah. But uh, Brighton had the same player booked twice, yellow card, and wasn't sent off. What? Yeah, yeah. The FA are looking into it. Um, the same player was booked, and the fourth official said it to the referee, and the referee said no. And it was only until after the game that they realised that the same player was booked twice. Just on that, did, do, they use, do they use female officials in, in the women's league? Uh, no, I think it's a mixture of both, Joe. Um, okay. obviously you've seen Aguero at the weekend and, and yeah yeah that was, he, he, uh, was, that he was, was reprimand that was all or nothing that yeah was I think so yeah, yeah a bit, a bit just, of blown out wasn't it really yeah, yeah it's a bit too PC for me come on just scandalous when they're getting like Ian White commented on match a day yeah and it's rock. shut up Brody Jesus mm. come on that's something now nothing alright lads uh, thanks very much Chris, thanks for joining us again. Have you back on soon, pal? Yeah, look, any time. Hopefully our one listener in Paraguay hasn't had enough of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, we've increased our fan base in Paraguay, Chris, because uh, of you. Yeah, I think he has, he has his missus listening now as well. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Uh, listen, nice folks, Cheers, Chris. next week. Take it easy, boys. Thanks, Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're interested in joining the Irish Toffee Supporters Club, just send an email to memberships at irish-toffees.com or visit our website www.irish-toffees.com. Up the toffees.